Empire. Hello, everybody, and welcome to my podcast. Got a lot for you today, so I want to jump right into all the topics. I want to start with Jay Gruden and frustration, involvement, and all that that entails. My guy Eric Bickle on The Junkies the other day talked about how he had been told that Gruden is frustrated, that Gruden is not, in, because he's not involved in the decision-making at Redskins Park. Well, here's what I know. Again, I've gotten asked a lot about this. Is, is Gruden frustrated? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't doubt that he is, okay? He's entering a pivotal year for himself. If they don't win, I think anybody would expect that he would not be here at this point next year. So you're going to want to have more say, whether it's in you know higher decisions in the organization or whatever. Um, so I don't doubt that. I think there's probably some things that have maybe transpired that would lead to some frustration. I think he has talked about a disconnect, wanting to get on the same page with the front office. I believe there's some of that frustration now when you hear same page, when I talk to people out there, it kind of has a different definition for each guy and what that really entails. Suffice to say that people feel that that still needs to happen. Now, the involvement, is Gruden involved? Yes, he is, okay? I was told, and this is, I'm, what I've been hearing and being told is consistent for over the last year, going back to before the Alex Smith deal. Okay, there was a meeting that the organization had, the decision makers, front office, some key coaches, whatever. They laid out their plan for guys they were going to get. Alex Smith was an option. Now, did Gruden know the exact moment they traded for him? No, I don't believe so, because the guys who make that are, it's Bruce Allen. Bruce Allen makes the decisions here. That hasn't changed. Eric Schaefer is in those negotiations when it comes to a contract. That hasn't changed. So when you're doing a negotiation or for a free agent, let's say, it's going to be Bruce Allen, Eric Schaefer, and the agent involved. There will be the three who knows. If the agent goes and leaks it right away, like maybe they did with, with Landon Collins, then yeah, people are going to find out whether in media, whether in a text message from a reporter, that's how they learn. So is that, is that bizarre? A little bit. It's also the way the world is now with instantaneous reporting. Um, it does not mean he wasn't involved in decision-making because um, they are, there are meetings. Before Case Keenum was traded for, there was a meeting. I think they had one at the Combine again where this was discussed. So, um, so Jay was in on those meetings. Um, the free agent board is helped set by Jay Gruden. In fact, it sounds like you're know, told that he helped reset some of the board. So that's where you get a Landon Collins. Is he going out and signing Landon Collins? No. Again, he probably, I don't doubt that he found out in a different way than from Bruce Allen or Eric Schaefer, but, but he was involved in the knowledge that this was a guy they were going to try and go get. So I think, so while there may be frustration, again, I think you can look at this organization and things you're going to be frustrated about, um, and I'm sure he's going to share some of that. But is he cut out of the loop? No, I don't, I don't believe that at all. All right, now I'm joined by my guy, Mike Jones, who used to cover the Redskins for the Washington Post, now is a big-time national guy for USA Today. Hey, Mike, thanks for joining me. First, I can't remember, how long did you cover the Redskins? I, I've been out here forever, so I, get, I lose track of how long you were out there. Yeah, it was only a fraction of uh, your tenure. <laughs> well, that's, eight seasons. 
Okay, that's that's a long time out there. That's a long. I, I'm. That's so probably like ten percent of your time out there. Yeah, I I kind of feel like in you know the, the with the movie Shawshank Redemption, who was um, um, what you call the other the character who was in there for life. That's I kind of feel like that's how I am. But um, what we the one thing, and we've talked about this. Well, first of all, how much do you miss like the snacks out there, and then the witty guy who used to sit a couple rows, a couple seats down. It's got to be something. I tell that's... you, like <laughs> that you were the one reason you you what you're what kept me coming to work every single day. Um, you know, uh, the trash talk, the banter, the football <laughs> talk made all of the Washington Redskins dysfunction, um, you know, worth it all. Uh, but eventually, it, it, you just weren't enough to to keep me there. Um, <laughs> Nor know, the peanut M and M's. sour. <laughs> um, grow a little stale and so I had to move on well now that you're in this role when you look at and I want to focus on the Redskins here for, for a few minutes but when you look at the way the Redskins operate compared to the way other teams you've dealt with operate and I'm saying this without bias or whatever but I'm curious your opinion does it change the way you look at this organization do, do they, how differently do they do things here compared to others you've dealt with um, they they do a lot of things differently. Um, you know, just from the the structure of the front office, the the roles that people have, even on the way down to, um, you know, the way things are operated and conducted in practices, and um, the the way guys operate inside the locker room. Um, it's it's all there's a lot that's different. Um, it's noticeable, um, and you kind of make sense why they're just still stuck in, you know, that six and ten, seven and nine, eight and eight mode and can never get over the hump. Um, because there's just a lot of stuff that they do that's different um than the winning franchises in this league. If you had to pick like one thing, if there's one is it is it the setup, is it the way the decisions get made, what is it that, is there one thing that you say, this is the one thing that's different, that the most different that would, that makes a big difference somewhere else? Oh, I think that, you know, there's in a lot of other franchises, there's no question who's in charge, who's calling all the shots. Um, and the clear mission when you're at the Redskins, you don't know if the head coach is in charge, if, the the general manager team you know VP is in charge or if it's the you know the team president um, you know every decision you're not sure okay did this guy make it did this guy make it did this guy make it um, their mission uh, doesn't ever seem to be the same it might change from year to year um, the accountability there's a strong sense of accountability inside organizations like the Patriots and the Rams um, the Eagles. Uh, the Redskins, it seems like there's always a scapegoat uh, that's that's being found. Um, and maybe there's double standards for certain people or, or things like that. And um, there's not, uh, you know, they can say it, but you don't see and feel the demand for excellence that you do at other places. Now, speaking about decision makers, Jay Gruden, we both know that this is a big year for him. So what, you know, and, and, and I reference this on my first part of the podcast but you know there was eb from the junkies talked about the frustration and not involved in the decision making etc with gruden um and his show the other day what have you heard about jay and you know maybe um the pressure that's on him this year and what are people around when you talk to people around the league what 
what do you hear? What do they say? Um, well, what, uh, a lot of the question is, is okay, uh, is he coming back after this year? Is he going to be able to get it done enough to satisfy them? Um, you know, and does he want to come back? That's another question. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of people will tell you that this place ages you like dog years. Um, there is even one guy who described them as a car wash in reverse. You go in clean, you come out dirty. I've heard um, that. You know, it, it takes a lot of out of you. Um, and so, yeah, th- there's there's questions about also, you know, how much Jay is willing to, to put into this thing now at this point. Um, you know, have frustrations reached a level where, um, you know, as is he as locked in as what he was? Some people wonder. Those are all questions that I've heard. Um, no, look, obviously Jay Gruden wants to win. Um, you know, everybody at Redskins Park wants to win, but are they willing to do every single thing it takes uh, like some other places are? Uh, that's the big question. Um, you know, uh, you know, I know about the report. Uh, I think we've both heard that the Redskins operate, you know, we we're talking about how they operate. Well, they, they might have their meetings and set a board uh, for free agency and for the draft, but then um, that they might agree in and put input, and sometimes that input is accepted, right. whether it's the scouts or a coach, and then other times um, it's it's ignored, and right. Bruce Allen will go ahead and make a decision on his own, and then people find out after the fact. And so just like with the Alex Smith trade, he was a guy that they rated on their board saying, hey, if he was available, we would like to get him. A lot of guys didn't find out until after the trade went down. They didn't know that they were making the trade for him. Um, and so just like the, the Landon Collins thing, when I heard it, I had not heard that myself. I hadn't dug that deeply to find out, but I wasn't surprised um, because when I asked around after the signing, not a lot of people immediately had um, answers. Um, right. And so it probably was another case of they made their board, Bruce went to work, got the guys, and – you know, that's exactly people, yeah. including Jay, were finding out after the fact. And that that happens definitely. And I like and I p- talked about in the first part that, you know, I know that he's in those meetings. So I know that there's an awareness of guys that they're pursuing from there. It's on Bruce. And it's funny because a lot of times they try to kind of conceal that a little bit. But it is on Bruce. I mean, he's the decision maker and there's not, you know, if, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know why they want to hide it so much because that's what's going on. So it is on him. So with 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 that, when you look at the moves they've made, I mean, what stands out to you? You got Landon Collins. They traded for Case Keenum. You bring in DRC and, and Eric Flowers. What stands out about you to with their offseason so far? Um, it, it looks like they're trying to get this thing turned around to quickly win. Um, and or at least can quickly be competitive. Um, you know, you hear them talk about wanting to build through the draft um, and things like that, uh, but they never really stick with that plan all the way through. And you know, they knew they needed really. I mean, they needed a safety. They've been using band aids at that safety position. Um, they haven't drafted anybody high at that position since Laron Landry. Um, they've signed a bunch of guys like Madhu Williams and aging Ryan Clark or. Tamar Jackson or Deshaun Goldston or Brandon Merriweather. The list just goes on of kind of like guys they plug in. Well, now they're finally making an, an investment in that position um, like they need to. Um, but, you know, uh, some of the other moves, I mean, they need playmakers. But all mm-hmm. the best wide receivers are off the board. They need, um, you know, offensive interior linemen, um, especially at left guard. And 
you know, they didn't go after Saffold. I didn't gather that they made a strong series push for him. So now um, it sounds like, you know, they'll try to see if Flowers can switch to guard and, and be that. You know, we'll see if they get somebody in the draft that's also still, you know, maybe their work's not done. But, you know, it's kind of Redskins business as we've seen it the last several years where they might make one big signing and the rest are bargain bins. And you hope that, you know, they can plug some guys in and things will be okay. Um, but, you don't see clear difference makers in all of those moves. And then because you cover on a national basis, let's look at the rest of the NFC and your perception of just where they now fit. Does Has anything changed in terms of the way you think that division might shuffle up or, or be reshaped this offseason, you know, after this offseason? Or is it, you know, how do you view where they fit in there within with other moves that have been made in this division? Uh, I mean, I think that the, the Giants are probably last right now. Um, we don't know exactly what Dave Gettleman is doing. When you look at it, you know, he continues to say he's got a plan. It almost looked like with them last year that, you know, their owner, John Morrow, was saying, hey, let's keep this thing intact and we've got a new offensive coach and let's keep all these guys and let's win this way. And that when it didn't work, that maybe Gettleman was given the permission to go ahead and blow this thing up and, and rebuild. So I'm thinking that by time by the time the draft comes around, We'll see some more clarity here. Maybe they've traded for Josh Rosen, or maybe they've used that extra first-round pick uh, to make a, a big move and finally find an answer at quarterback. Maybe they really invest in their offensive line, because right now there's not clarity there. You gave away the guy that you just gave a ton of money. Um, you know, I wouldn't say gave away, but you traded away a guy that you just paid $21 million last year. You're eating $16 million in dead cap this year. Um, you better have a plan, and so that's why with those extra – draft pick maybe they he's got something packaged so i still think they're last place right now uh the cowboys are probably second in the division and the eagles they've you know retooled their defensive line they've added some more speed with uh deshaun jackson um you know we'll see what happens with their backup quarterback position because that's important with carson wentz um you know and the lack of durability we've seen from him but i still think that they're probably the team to beat because they've got such an impactful defense very good, Mike. Listen, I got one more thing for you. I'm smoking some beef ribs on Saturday, so that's the first thing. Okay. But you got to smoke the cheese because it, the smoked cheese, it, my, my wife is going crazy every time I do it. Smoked Gouda, smoked cheddar, did some stuffed burgers the other day with some smoked Gouda inside and the melted smoked cheddar on top. You got to do it. 90 degrees, two hours, let it sit for at least a week, and then you got to text me about how good it was, and you'll thank me. Okay. okay. Your wife the will thank you. for sure. Yes, I've got to do that for sure. Yeah, because she's vegetarian, so she knows. Oh, then you're eat my normal stuff. There you so go. She'll like the cheese. It, it's 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 a hit. So there you go. That's my that's our barbecue talk tip for the week, and that's a sample of what we used to. We get hours in the press room about that. So anyway, Mike, yeah, thank for you sure. for joining me at by Mike Jones on Twitter. A very good follow and a damn hard worker. Well, maybe Mike doesn't know exactly what the Giants' plan is, and I can tell you I don't either. But my next guest can tell you about what he thinks the Giants' plan is. He can also give you insight into the three newest Redskins. It's my guy Jordan Ronan from ESPN. He'll be joining me in a minute. take a look at one of the guys who's coming back because we didn't really get a chance to talk about him last week and that's running back Adrian Peterson 
And just real quickly, I do think it was a necessary signing to get him back here. Now, I don't think you necessarily, they don't want him carrying 25, 20 some times a game because what that would mean is that Darius Geis is not as involved. And I don't think that's necessarily a good thing for the Redskins. Um, but they are, I can tell you that it, they genuinely wanted him back. And guys in that building, I think, were sincerely impressed and pleased by what he showed in meeting rooms, in the locker room, the humility they felt he showed, the work ethic he showed. That's all legit. Because I even would talk to guys and I would tell them after I'm done talking, like, is this for real? Or are you guys just kind of touting him up? He's like, no, this is how he really is. So I think that's a very good thing and it's going to be helpful to Geis as long as Geis is sitting there and listening and learning from him. It takes two to, to kind of get those lessons across. I think the other thing to watch here is, is you know, if, if, if Peterson, how they kind of share that role. Because one thing Randy Jordan told me, the running backs coach, he said they're both alpha males. So while they both can be supportive of one another and they both can say they're okay with one another, they're both going to want to be the guy. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's why Peterson is going to the Hall of Fame. And it's why Geis was a, was a very good runner at LSU and a second round pick in the NFL. And the other thing that Jordan had told me one time back during the season, he said he went back and watched clips of practices from training camp. And he just kind of said, I just forgot how good I thought Geis was going to be and how much he was going to help, not just as a runner, but in the pass game. So I think an ideal situation here, they're going to go, I don't know if it's 50-50, we'll have to wait and see how Geis is healthy, but I think it's a good thing to have both these guys around as long as they don't have to rely on Peterson the way they did last year. Now, on to the newest, one of the newest guys, and it's a guy that is, you know, an Eric Flowers who I think there's going to be a lot of questions about. Can he make the transition from tackle to guard? Because that's what they're going to ask him to do. He's never played guard in the NFL. 55 starts all at tackle. So what does his signing signal to me? First of all, it's really, really hard to find interior line help. Last week when I was out at Redskin Park, I talked to people about this. Like, you know, you go down through the list of guards who are available and they're coming off injuries. They're old. They weren't very good. And I think they, and, and they, which uh, an assessment that people out there definitely agreed with. So what do you do? You go out and get a guy like Flowers who was a failed tackle. And make no mistake, he was a failed tackle. But before I get more into his, my kind of my two cents on him, I texted with the guy, a, a scout um, in the division and just said, asked him about the, how hard it is to find interior line help. The response I got was one word, hard, four exclamation points after the word hard. So it's not just the Redskins who are having a hard time. And the way this league has gone, and I think why guard has become a little bit more important is because of how good some of the tackle play has gotten on the defensive side of the ball. So now you need to find better guards. You can't just plug in any old guy. I don't think they're going to, they were never going to spend big money on that to find a left guard, not with some of the other high prices they have on that line, but you do have to have a solid guy in there. Is there some risk with this? Well, Let's look at the deal. Flowers is getting $1.5 million guaranteed because of signing bonus. So that part is guaranteed. So if they cut him before at the end of camp, it's a $1.5 million cap hit. Not prohibitive, but in comparison to Sean Laval, whom they re-signed last year, Laval had a $300,000 signing bonus. So he was definitely on the, on the fence going into camp. If someone else had really emerged, I don't think Laval would have been starting. But when you're getting $1.5 million guaranteed, kind of puts you at a different spot where they are expecting you to make it. Yeah, you can absorb that cap hit, but you know, you're not going to get 
you know, guys like Kedrick Golson in the past would get very little signing bonus. So the only way they're going to make money is if they made it. This guy's getting a little bit of money before. So I think the expectation is that he would be inside there. Um, now, the transition from tackle to guard, not very easy. I was texting with John Jansen, who back in the day tried to make that switch from tackle to guard. A difference here is that Jansen had good technique. Guys who switch inside, Brandon Sheriff moved inside. He had good technique. He didn't have the length. He didn't have the athleticism to be a standout tackle, but he had the technique. For Jansen, he said the hardest part for him was he's used to being on an island. It was too confining inside. But it's not that someone else can't do it. That was the hard thing for him. If you remember, I thought he, I didn't think he was a very good guard at all because, and I think for that reason, um, talked to a defensive, a defensive coach who has faced flowers and asked him about what he thought about this transition for him. And he thought like, you know, again, what I was saying, bad technique. He said the hardest, he goes, he thinks he may be able, maybe helped inside because it's, you, you don't have to move as much and you, and his physicality can help him inside. There's a run blocker. You saw that as a left tackle. I think you're going to see it inside. So I think that can help. He worried about his hands and his hands to me, when you'd watch him all over the place, go back and watch the Redskins game against Jacksonville this year. The first four or five plays were just terrible by flowers. I mean, terrible bending at the waist, hands all over the place, off balance. So if they can, you know, that's, that's, but that's why he's not a tackle anymore. His last game of the year, by the way, against Jadavian Clowney, much better, but that's why he's not at tackle here. So I think the key for them is getting a guy that you can't, you, you can't let him keep bending at the waist. They're going to have to fix that. Um, the hands, you have to get more consistent, but the physical play I think will be there. So it is, there's, there is some, you know, I don't want to about risk, but I think um, there's, there's an element you don't know if it's going to work, but I do want to ask Jordan Ranan, who covers the Giants for ESPN, his thoughts on Flowers and the other new Redskins who came from the Giants. All right, well, now I'm joined by my ESPN colleague, covers the Giants for ESPN, Jordan Ronan, does a great job, always on top of things. He knows the three newest Redskins as well as anybody, and that's, of course, Eric Flowers, Dominique Rogers, cromarty and just from here on out, it's just DRC, and then, of course, Landon Collins. Jordan, th- Jordan thanks for uh, coming on and joining me. You got it, John. Yeah, you got the uh, Washington Giants down there. Oh my God! Yeah, and it's you know it's funny. I think we're in a race to to see who's going to cover maybe the uh, I don't know about most dysfunctional, but certainly crazier franchises in the NFL. Yeah, you know we would sit here and talk about these teams, but they're the two teams that really their biggest problem is that the quarterback position. They're filling all they're switching guys at other spots, but you know these are the two teams in the division. You wonder most about what the heck are they doing at quarterback? So. Yeah, and I always come back to that at the end of the day. Well, you know, and it's funny because the Giants were in a position last year to address that, and they didn't. And how much do you think has that set them back by not taking a guy like Sam Darnold last year? Oh yeah, I mean the Giants just traded Odell Beckham after signing him to a deal one like seven months early, not even a year. So they just paid him twenty-one and a half million dollars, right, for one for twelve games actually, and. Then they're eating $16 million in dead money because they didn't rebuild last year. And that's what it really all circles back to. They didn't make the decision last year. 
Now they're kind of paying for their sins last year and doing it this year. So a year a year too late, but then it all spins back to the quarterback, and who knows if they're even going to go there this year. Well, one of the guys the Giants got rid of last year during the season was, was uh, your guy Eric Flowers that left the tackle. Yeah. Signed by the Redskins to a one-year deal. So, and listen, it's out there. You had a little thing with him in the locker room. Just kind of give a Cliff Notes version of what happened there, and then I'm going to ask you a few questions about him as a player and just to, you know in the locker room too. Yeah, full disclosure. You have to, you know, when you if you're asking me about Eric Flowers, uh, this was what three years ago. He had a bad game against the Packers, and uh, so he. I didn't even ask a question. He just turned towards me and got upset with me about apparently something in the past. But it's not something we've ever – he did call. He apologized. He got disciplined by the team. We don't know exactly what it was. Uh, he was insulted apparently. This is through the grapevine I heard because we've never really had that discussion of what he was mad at, never said what he was mad at, never asked him a question in that little setting. So um, he had had a horrible game against the Packers. It was on a – Sunday or Monday night, I forget which one, but it was a primetime game, and he had allowed three sacks, I believe it was, to Clay, mostly to Clay Matthews, and uh, so he was, you know, just kind of snapped and had a bad, had a bad game and frustration, built up frustration, pent up frustration, whatever you want to call it, kind of exploded into that. Now he had his problems with the Giants, obviously, not just. We're talking on the field and off the field. And that was kind of the concern with him. Not really off the field, but more in the locker room. He wasn't exactly well-liked. Him and Bobby Hart, who is now with the Bengals, their right tackle, they weren't really part of the group of the offensive line group. They were kind of separated. There was the, A lot of the offensive linemen thought Flowers was, um, didn't, was didn't want to take instruction. He got into a shoving match at one point in his rookie year with the veteran offensive line coach at the time, is uh, Pat Flaherty, who ironically was then the Jacksonville Jaguars offensive line coach when they signed him last year. <laughs> so that relationship obviously was repaired to some degree where they were able to pick him up there. But there was a, a feeling that Flowers didn't want to listen to guys. He didn't want to take their advice. and He wanted to do it his own way. and He didn't care what anybody around him said. And really, frankly, he didn't play very well on top of everything else. The Giants did their best to prop him up. He works hard. He stayed here around all offseason. They, pre- they preached one year. And uh, so that's sort of the Eric Flowers story. He wasn't included in a lot of the offensive line stuff. Him and Bobby Hart were kind of separate. They went to the uh, wide receivers dinners right instead of the offensive line dinners. like Stuff, stuff like that, which really kind of raises a red flag sometimes with guys. Especially, you know how offensive linemen yeah. work in that t- They're a tight group. Group, so. And I think, like, that's yeah, one of the – Yeah, and that's one of the things here is that you have guys like Trent Williams, Brandon Sheriff, Morgan Moses, that they're hoping can kind of help rub off and, and maybe take him in a different direction. Can't – do you feel like he's a guy that you say maybe he just hasn't matured? Is there is there hope for him in that area, do you think? Um, I mean, he's a little socially awkward, I think. When, you, when you're just talking to him in general, it, 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 you don't, you're not really able to have that conversation with him very often. He's very quiet. I think that's just kind of the way he is in a way, but a fresh start is always good, and I think that can do him well. The question is whether he could play at this point, right? right. He went to the Jaguars. He wasn't very good there. He played, he played with the Giants. wasn't very good. There's always been this talk of 
maybe they should try him at guard. And that appears to be, like you said, that's, that's what you they're going to do, do, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that's what I was going to ask you. Why didn't, they, why didn't they do that? Why didn't they try it there? Well, A, Flowers wasn't – he always really – he always wanted to stay at left tackle. It was, he, he made that known, and that was, that was kind of like a known thing. Like, he didn't want to go to anywhere else but left tackle. Eventually, they moved him to right because he had no choice, and it kind of came out that he wasn't too happy about that either. Never really said that. Always kind of just said he didn't want to talk about it publicly when, when he was asked about that. But the Giants wanted to – first of all, they're so short on tackles. That and they were committed to him financially, right? That's the thing. The Redskins aren't really committed right. to him much financially. The Jaguars weren't committed to him much financially. The Giants were because they, you know, they paid that first round pick. He was a top ten pick, so they yeah, were got to make that work. So they they were trying to make it work in any way possible. Now, I think the biggest problem with Flowers has been his technique. You find him a lot of times leaning forward uh, and just. His leverage doesn't play with good leverage. It makes him really easy to beat. He starts cheating on the outside because then he's he's worried about getting beat outside. And and he was actually playing at one point between him and the left guard uh, Justin Pugh. They were playing like they were lining up like two or three yards apart. Which then you could just run stunts and twists and stuff. And for an offensive lineman, that just, it doesn't work. You can't. That doesn't work that way to do that consistently. Right. So teams started exposing it. And then the guard thing. It just never happened. It was something as like a, and, and I think this is what the Redskins have right now. This is a, the last ditch resort usually, right? Yeah, absolutely. When you have a, a tackle, you, you have a left tackle. You start him the left tackle. If he's not good enough for left tackle, you move him to right tackle, right? If he's not good enough for right tackle, you move him to guard and you cross your fingers and you pray. And I think that's, that's, that's what, kind of what the Redskins are doing here for what, a million and a half dollars? Yep, yeah, that's, that's the, the risk, guaranteed part, yeah. Right, so for a million and a half dollars, hey, why don't we try it? Maybe it pans out. Maybe we can actually, you know, make this work. Worst case scenario, he's at least tackled depth. Correct, and that's that's what they're kind of looking at. And I still think they're going to draft somebody there. The other guy, Landon Collins, and you know, talking to you and reading your stuff, he's a guy that you seem to be pretty high on. Is that accurate? Landon Collins has some special skills. Okay, I mean. He's one of the surest tacklers you're going to see in the NFL. He, he can, he's super athletic. I mean, go look at his 40 time. For a guy his size, he's athletic. He can move well. He, sure, you can sit here and you can harp on the, on the negatives about him. He's not great in coverage, right? Just the instincts in, in coverage, it's not his specialty. But he can do some special things, especially near the line of scrimmage. He's a one-man tackling machine. He can basically stop opposing teams' run games by himself half the time. I mean, he's going to make 10 to 12 tackles a game if you play him near the box and teams try to run the ball. And he's, he's really a guy you can do a lot with. Uh, I wouldn't want him covering Saquon Barkley or Evan Ingram one-on-one. I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want a lot of safeties doing that. Right. But that's what I was going to say. You don't want any safeties or linebackers guarding guys like that on a regular basis. I mean, the mismatch, that's the whole mismatch game that exists in the NFL today. There's only a few safeties out there, very few. I mean, if, if even – people hope that Earl Thomas can get back to that, right? But I don't even – he's coming right. off a serious injury in the in 30-year-old range. So, who knows? But, yeah, he's a special player, and he's a difference maker on the field. 
The Giants' defense was significantly better with him on the field. He's a guy that opposing teams actually go and game plan against. And, I mean, that, that's not often that you have to game plan against safeties, but that's not he can make. So I, I think that that's what you get, you're getting in Landon Collins. It's somebody who the Redskins' defensive coaches can move around, have a lot of fun with, and he's going to make a lot of plays for them. And, and a good guy. I mean, he was the Giants' captain last year. Well, you know what? It's funny because I mean, he's – Young in the captain. That's why it's the strangest thing ever that they just let him off. Well, it is. And, you know, Doug Williams, um, Redskins senior VP of player personnel, was telling me he said one thing that Collins told him after he signed was he said he wants to get a house. He goes, I want to live in a place where people can get to, but I want it to be close to the facility, and I want it to be kind of set back a little bit so I can have areas where I can just focus on studying football. This guy's 25 years old saying that. I mean, I'm assuming that was a key part of his game there. Yeah, I mean, this is a good guy. I mean, this is a guy who works hard. No one's ever said anything about his work ethic. He's well-liked in the locker room. He got into it with Eli Apple at one point. Uh, but at that point, to be quite honest with you, Eli Apple was getting into it with everybody in the Giants locker room, and nobody around that facility liked him very much. So uh, that nobody was looking at Landon Collins at that time as a problem because he was stepping up to Eli Apple, who was a major problem that season, uh, by the way. He was suspended that season. And your other guy, DRC, the other new guy, right. he was another one that was suspended that season. That season was just a total disaster. Uh, but Landon Collins is not a guy you have to worry about in that regard. What, what about what – Very about, well respected and very, very well liked. And kind of quickly on DRC, because, like, I know he was suspended yeah. that year. He also seemed like he was a guy, and everything I've read and heard, is a pretty good guy in the locker room, good with younger players. What are they getting in him? He's a different character. You'll see. I mean, he's a different cat. He beats to his own drum. That guy is is very unique, uh, but he's also a freak athlete. And he, and I know he's older now, but he's still a good athlete. The thing with the Giants is they oh they used him inside late in his career, and to me he was always he's always been an out he's really an outside cornerback. I mean that's what he does. He's got speed. He can he can track people down. He's got good ball skills. He's made for the outside. Now is he going to be physical? No. Do you want him coming up near the line of scrimmage to have to stop running games? No. Screen passes? No. Can you? Do you want him to play? You know, physical man to man. That's not his. Probably not his game either. But uh, you, you know, he he can cover. He can play man to man. I don't know. If I, just not on the physical end. He's the kind of guy who he's a smart player too. Very smart player. You you wouldn't realize it, but he recognizes things on the field. He's very quick in recognition uh, and. Able, a guy that could probably come in and still make plays. Now he hasn't played. He didn't play last year, right? So who knows how much he has left? But he's a guy I think can still give you a little bit as a as a cover type cornerback. That not as a tackler though. Okay, I respect that very much. And I'm going to save the biggest thing for last year, Jordan, because you had a little bit of news last week with Odell. And I'm just you know from your <laughs> end, I talked to Landon about him, and he was like he raved about him as a teammate. What yeah, is Landon the, and him are very friendly. Yeah, and like it seems like there's a difference between what the front office and what the players think. So what is the impact of losing him? I spoke to some people in the, in the NFC East, and, and somebody said to me, I am so happy he's gone because he is so good in regards to Odell. So I think that's kind of the case. of the, that, that pretty much speaks for the entire division, I would say. Uh, they all know. I mean, the Redskins saw how good he was. And yeah. He has that that diving touchdown catch and one-handed, left-handed, like probably like three years ago. 
down in Washington. I mean, some of the plays he made are, are just have been ridiculous. I mean, he he the, getting rid of him is a game changer for the Giants. So they're not going to be the same, uh, have the same explosive potential without him for sure. And uh, you wonder, okay, where is this organization going? And I think. A lot of times it's the same thing as the Redskins, right? It's the question you guys ask all the time. Like, where where are we going here? So, yeah. And I think that's what you look at with the Giants. Are they really rebuilding? Are they really committing to, to starting, you know, to, to looking towards the future and saying, well, look, it's going to take us a couple of years to get back? Or are they really trying to do it on the fly? Whereas then you say, ah, oh, you know, when, and, and look, you've tried. How many times have you seen a rebuild on the fly, John? <laughs> every couple of years, it seems. The philosophies how change every few years. How often does it work? It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't work. So that that's kind of where the Giants are, and I think they're trying to rebuild on the fly a little bit, and we've seen it a thousand times. That's not the way to go. You better draft that quarterback, or and it's the same for the Giants and the Redskins. You better draft that quarterback and have that quarterback of the future for the next 10 or 15 years. That's the, that's the way you win in this league, and that's, that's eventually – what both these organizations are going to have to do, regardless of who they put around them. Now, if you're if you want to listen to more Giants talk, it's Giants After Dark podcast, correct? That's Breaking your... Big Blue. Podcast. Oh, Breaking Big Blue. Giants no, After Dark. That was That's, the Facebook. You're stuff. close. The Giants After Dark is a segment within. Okay, I got okay. a lot of things going on here. All right, I got a lot of things. And if you want to follow <laughs> Jordan on Twitter, it's at Jordan Ranan. Jordan R A A N A N. Jordan, I appreciate you joining me. John, you got it anytime, man. Thanks, man. Hey, before you go, I got I got a question for you. All right. Who's going to win the NCAA tournament? Oh, God, after watching Zion, can you pick anybody but Duke as long as he's healthy? Can the Redskins pick him with the 15th pick? Tight end. I mean, could you imagine? It's like they always talked about with LeBron. That body size coming down the seam, you're not hitting it. I mean, that you'd be a phenomenal. What, I'd you, rather give him $1.5 million to play left guard than Eric Flowers, to be honest with you. <laughs> His hands would be phenomenal. Yeah. When you watched him, that play against North Carolina, that the I think it was the end up to be the game winner, that looked like me when I would play with sixth graders back when I was, well, when I'm my size now. And like, I'm just going to, I'm going to score because I'm bigger and taller than you and I'm stronger than you and you're small. And that's what it looked like. Get out of my way. It was, it was, that guy's phenomenal. So as long as he's healthy, it's good. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Tune in next week.